Want to earn the most money possible on your short-term rental? Today, we will explain how to price your rental for maximum success. Let's go. Special thanks to our very first sponsor, Storybook Vacation Homes. Storybook is founded by Tim Casey. He focuses on providing clean, safe, and fun spaces for families to enjoy. His pilot home was designed so cool. He even has a Toy Story Land room with an etch-and-sketch TV. Never seen that before, but that's pretty, pretty neat. If you would like a new property manager in the Orlando area or would like to book the coolest home by Walt Disney World, please visit our sponsor at storybook.com. That's S-T-O-R-E-Y-B-O-O-K.com. So I would like to start today's segment off with some crazy news. Uh, a 30-year-old self-proclaimed tycoon who brands himself the Wolf of Airbnb is currently being sued for $1.5 million for illegally renting out Manhattan apartments for parties and photo shoots while owing $450,000 in unpaid rent. Um, in New York, I'm not sure how many hosts have researched this, but it's illegal to rent out homes and buildings for less than 30 days. Uh, the lawsuit claims the pad was used for photo shoots, music videos, a film, and short stays. Uh, he has been sued before by landlords who claims he owes more than $450,000 in rent since February 2020. Um, and he has denied running the short-term illegal rentals, but the proof is in the pudding. Um, and it, it just goes to show you just want to make sure everything's above board before you uh, you know, take off with your vacation rental business. Wish you all the success in the world. But it's pretty important to do things the right way. Um, and stories like this one um, remind us of that. So today, we're going to talk about how to price your place on Airbnb, Verbo, and other platforms. So pricing your place is both an art and a science. So how you will price will make or break your investment. If you price it too high, you will scare away prospective guests. And you price it too low, you'll have a lot of occupancy, but you will fall short of your potential you'll experience a lot more wear and tear on your property. So pricing your place is really a five-stage process, and that's what we're going to talk about. One, being researching your local competition and benchmarking your rental against theirs. Two, moving away from one-size-fits-all pricing and setting a strategy that works. Three, increasing prices for demand and seasonality. Four, promotions and discounts to attract guests if you so choose to. And five, adding extra fees. These are your cleaning fees, your pool heat fees, et cetera, um, that you don't want lumped into your nightly rate. So let's talk about that first step, research your local competition, benchmarking your rental against theirs. This is the most important one, and it sounds like a common sense item, but you'd be surprised how many hosts uh, don't know where to start when listing their property and setting the pricing strategy. But that's why we're here to help. The first thing you need to do, wherever you're listing Airbnb Verbal, go onto that site, do a quick search with the dates, and for location, pick the area your rental's in, and just look around, browse like you were a guest, just like you were going to book a house for yourself for vacation. Do the same thing and ask yourself, what do you see? Do you see homes like yours? If yours is a four-bedroom, do you see a lot of four-bedrooms around your area? And if so, look inside. Are they looking really, really nice and like places you want to stay or are they looking a little more, you know, run down, right? So you want to see what is out there in terms of competition and then compare naturally your space to theirs. 
compare the furnishing, whose is newer, whose looks better, the design, um, the bedroom configuration, if you have a pool or no pool, how close you are to the water, those kinds of things. And you'll know which rental is going to fetch a higher price. Then you really want to look at how much that house is getting on Airbnb or Verbo. You can open up where the calendar is and just put in various dates and see what the home is getting at various times during the year and compare to other homes on the same street or on the same block. And once you do that, you'll more or less have a better understanding of what rentals can get in your area and what rentals similar to yours can get in your area. But to set up your nightly rates and your pricing strategy, the first place you need to start is by going local and looking at who else is by you and what they're renting for. That's a very, very, very first thing that you need to do. Step two, step two, step two, move away from that one size fits all pricing and set a strategy that works for you. What does this mean, John? What does it mean to move away from one size fits all pricing? Well, just because your house is a five bedroom house, it doesn't mean it's the same as every other five bedroom house. Just because you're in that neighborhood doesn't mean you should price your house the same as all the other houses in a neighborhood. Although those are good guidelines, your house may be very, very different depending on how much you spend on your furniture or how much passion and, and creativity you put into the design and the amenities you have available. It, it's really going to vary even in the same neighborhoods, same size home. There can be huge differences in how much your home can actually earn when it's much better prepared for guest enjoyment than others. You really have to ask yourself, who is your target guest? Is it a family going on vacation? Is it a couple, business traveler? You need to find out who your audience is before you set your rates in stone. Why? Because there's such thing as a premium rental and a budget rental, and there's everything in between. And you need to honestly ask yourself, which one are you? Which one are you trying to be? Which one are you currently? And then set your pricing based on those factors. If you want premium rates, but you're running a budget rental and it looks much older than what's, what else is out there, you can't expect premium rates or maximum potential that way. But if you really have a premium offering and it's a run, in a rundown part of town, it's hard to justify the high price. So there's a lot of factors that come into setting your nightly rate, but you need to know who your target guest really is. And that will tell you more or less if you should price higher or price lower. But you need to know who you're trying to attract. Ask yourself that before even getting started. Number three, let's talk about setting prices according to demand and seasonality. Demand and seasonality. What exactly does that mean? It means there's times of higher demand naturally like Christmas, New Year's, Easter holiday, spring break that weren't a way higher price than when kids are going back to school in September. And depending on where you're located and what activities and events are going on there, there may be other factors that you even need to consider. But it's really important to increase your price for times of high demand because those times of high demand is when you're going to make the most money per night. So if you're in New Orleans, that looks like when is Mardi Gras? right? Because that's when people want to travel. That's when demand is higher and supply is much, much lower. So wherever you are, just ask yourself, what's the main draw when people usually travel to town to see that? 
And then how much should you charge? Well, if you want to do a quick check, do the same thing we talked about in step one. Go on to Airbnb or Verbo, enter the dates that you were looking for. For example, New Orleans Mardi Gras, you'd enter those dates and then see what the prices are then. You need to look up all the times of demand before you set your rates in stone. You also need to account for seasonality. Seasonality is when it's Christmas, that's usually high season, right? When it's September and kids going back to school, that's usually a low season. But every different location has their seasons. And it's really important to see what your seasons are and how that demand affects those seasons. Uh, if you need help with seasonality, I'm coming from a place of Central Florida and we're a big draw on Walt Disney World. But if you need additional tips, please just feel free to reach out to me at john, J-O-H-N, at vacationhomehelp.com. And I can send you my free rates worksheet that shows you more or less what the seasonality should be from low to mid-season to high season to even peak season. More or less, the 50 continental states, they will have the same seasons. And you just have to adjust for demand based on what holidays are local or what events, sporting events that might be occurring at the time. But just reach out to me if you want a little bit more info on that. And I'm happy to guide you um, with the worksheet that I created. Okay. Now, what about smart pricing? Airbnb has smart pricing. And I've heard the term dynamic pricing a bunch of times. Well, obviously, smart pricing by Airbnb is, is going to put your rent per night lower because they make money on occupancy. The more bookings they do, the more they make regardless. So they want volume and they're not co like correctly aligned with your goals of maximizing profit per home, right? So do not use smart pricing. Just don't use Airbnb's smart pricing tool. I also don't recommend getting uh, what they call dynamic pricing tool without knowing how to use it because a computer with data can only do so much. And this is more of an art than it is a science. So it's better you doing your benchmarking the old-fashioned way to get a real, real feel on what's going on in your market. Uh, a computer or software can only do so much for you. And I really recommend to get the most out of your rental to do the legwork, do the hard work, and do the research. And it's really quick to do it. So do yourself a favor. Just review the rates of your, your local competition and price things that way. But do not, do not, do not use Airbnb smart pricing tool. Now, promotions and discounts. Everybody loves a discount, right? Well, that's up to the hosts. Uh, I've seen hosts really crush it without doing any sort of promotion or discount because they had a rental that was so unique and well-prepared and clean that people were willing to pay the money for it. On the other hand, I've seen hosts that their home's more of a commodity and they struggle to get bookings. So they offer lots of last minute discounts as high as 25, 30% when they're not filled up. Um, which one's better? It's really dependent on your rental and your goals. But I personally think if your rental is one worth renting, you don't necessarily need to discount it or do a promotion. I have seen an effective tactic at discounting longer term stays because a guest that's going to stay two months, but say your rental is $1,400 a night, it's a large home at $1,400 a night. Um, doing that over 60 days is very expensive. So I've seen some long-term discounts given when it's worth it for the host, um, but that's on a host-by-host, case-by-case basis. 
but it is a strategy to consider. Um, I've seen people pricing weekends uh, more expensive than weekdays. I personally don't do that, um, but I've seen a lot of people put higher rates for Saturday and Sunday and, and have had success with it. But I like to keep things simple and I do it just by the date. Um, and it's really, really, really important that you consider what your action on that is and what consequence it's going to have on guests coming to stay. So if you discount a really expensive property and the guests are more of a budget guest, they're not going to respect it and you're going to experience much more wear and tear and headaches um, than if you just left the price alone. So that's my two cents, but it is important to consider promotions and discounts when you are setting your pricing strategy. Now, finally, let's talk about adding some extra fees. The guest does not like fees at all. Anything that you add is, is seen as nickel and diming. But in, in my location, I've seen two fees really pop out. The clean fee is everywhere and, and people separate the clean fee usually from the, the nightly rate, at least on Airbnb and Verbo. Um, some people who do direct bookings through their own websites, they just lump it together. But it's really common to see a standalone clean fee. You do want to see if that's taxable. Um, in most locations, it is taxable on the host. So you do want to check your area. Um, and then I've seen pool heat fees because pool heat in Florida, it's super expensive. Um, and if you look at your t- utility bill, you're looking at a difference of 200 a month to 600 a month if you always have it on or even more um, in times of inflation. So it's really important to think about what those fees are going to be. If you're pet friendly and you want to charge a pet fee for that extra cleanup, um, anywhere from 125 or the, the full price of another cleaning, um, that's important to put into the listing if it's going to be separated from your nightly rate. There's a lot of other fees, like I've seen linen fees charge. I don't recommend that because, I mean, they're already paying cleaning and nightly rate. That's kind of seen as nickel and diming. Don't recommend it at all. Um, there's like management fees, guest service fees, all sorts of stuff. I really don't recommend adding any other fees other than the clean fee and potentially pool heat if you have a pool. But uh, I'd recommend most guests just have, most hosts have a clean fee. It just makes more sense. And it's much more attractive to your prospective guests that they're seeing everything's included. They have a clean fee. Okay, they'll pay it. And just doing it that way, it's much better. If you just want to lump it all together, even the clean fee into the nightly rate and have no extra fees, that's something worth considering. But you do need to remember you're going to be benchmarked and compared against cheaper properties. And if you separate the clean fee from the rate, it makes your rent look look a little bit more attractive to people looking on the internet. I know it's it's better just to fully disclose up front with your guests how much it's going to cost. But if you do things like that, uh, people just won't find you um, as other people are using little tricks. Um, so as a whole, do I agree with it? No, I don't agree with extra fees. But that's the way the industry has gone. So what I'm recommending is you have your rent and your clean fee and potentially a pool heating fee if you don't want to uh, you know, break the bank and, and just take care of that utility yourself. Um, think about what fees look like if you were the customer or the guest, you wouldn't like them either. So it, it's important to consider like the needs of the guests and what, what they find attractive when you're doing your listing. Um, security deposits. I'm not going to go into that too much on this podcast episode, but I'll briefly touch on it. You can add security deposits on Airbnb, right? But Airbnb has their own coverage and it really doesn't cover much when bad things happen. Um, so you need to realize that they're not actually going to collect that security deposit money from the guests and, and remit it to you or Airbnb. 
they're just basically saying, hey, if damage occurs up to this amount, we'll charge the card. But what if the guest doesn't have any money in the card? Then you're the one who's out of luck and spending countless hours dealing with Airbnb technical support. Um, Verbo is a little bit different where they do allow you to collect a deposit, but it, it's still more of an authorization hold. So a lot of hosts are going away from platforms and are doing things on their own because the security deposit, in my opinion, is really the only way to prevent the guests from completely making a mess and trashing your place. Because if you don't actually have their, the money out of their pocket, I mean, most people, they'll just be a little bit more careless and reckless. And we've seen it happen when a security deposit is not held. The guests sometimes just don't care about your property. They, they're under the, the thought that I paid for this, I can do what I want. So it's really hard to protect yourself when you're doing a platform booking, but um, that's security deposit. It's important just to know that you need to understand the policies of the platform you're listing on and they change from time to time. So you need to be up to date. So in conclusion, I know I did a lot of talking, but I hope you learned something today about pricing your place for success. Let's just roll through those five things one more time. The first thing you need to do that's super important is research your local competition and see where you stand and give yourself an honest self-view of where you stand. Don't get emotionally attached. See where you benchmark against others so you can have the best opportunity at setting your price for maximum rental income. Two, moving away from one-size-fits-all pricing and setting a strategy, a firm strategy that's going to work. Know who your customer is. Know who you're aiming to please know what that entails in terms of setting a nightly price. If it's a luxury guest, more expensive, a budget guest, a bit cheaper, average, you get the picture. The third thing we talked about, demand and seasonality. You need to find out times of high and low demand, and you need to know what your seasons are in terms of low, mid, high, peak season, because that's how you're going to know when to increase your price, when to lower your price, and what the guests will bite on when they're looking for a rental. If you just set everything at the same rate, you are going to be selling yourself short, leaving occupancy and rent money on the table. So don't do that. You need to do the research on demand and seasonality. If you want a little guidance, I do have a, a free worksheet I can send you. Just subscribe to the podcast. Um, subscribe to the blog and, and email me at john at vacationhomehelp.com, john at vacationhomehelp.com. Ask for the worksheet and I'll send it right to you. You got to also understand promotions and discounts. You don't need to give them, but if you do, make sure they have a purpose, make sure that they're in line with the market and make sure that they're designed to attract more guests. And do remember, if you have longer-term stays, it's, it's okay to give a little bit of a break on the nightly rate if it still makes sense for you. Finally, let's talk about those extra fees again. I only really recommend a cleaning fee. That's what guests expect. That's what they're going to see often when they're looking and comparing other properties to yours. I don't really recommend adding any other fees. But if you want to, you need to add them in um, so the guests know what they can expect to pay for things like pool heat, pet cleaning, that sort of stuff. And it, it's different for everybody. And every market has a different way of doing things. But I personally recommend setting your clean fee and setting it appropriately and not anything else. Now, before I let you go, let's talk about some secrets I've learned along the way. I've seen people earn a ton of extra rental income just by holding off on the most peak seasons. So in our area, Walt Disney World, Central Florida, people have 
that time for vacation around Easter, Passover, spring break. And there's certain dates that command a totally, totally different nightly rate. We're talking a difference of what would usually be a $600 a night rental being a $1,600 to $1,700 a night rental. And most of the money all year is made on those dates. So what most smart hosts do is they take their home off the market till about 30 to 45 days before those key dates. They let supply completely just drain out. Demand is super high and people are willing to pay almost anything to be in certain neighborhoods. They do this in a lot of beach towns. I know it sounds like a tactic that's not the most guest friendly, but most of the industry veterans that are maximizing their rental income, they do this. And it's something worth considering for times of high demand, like Mardi Gras, for example, if you're in New Orleans. Um, And that's just one way of maximizing your rental income through being smart and strategizing. Um, The other way is to always keep tabs on what's going on that's local. And in Orlando, we have a lot of sports teams. They come to the ESPN Wide World of Sports all the time for different competitions and exercises. Um, And knowing when those competitions are, you know a little more than the average bear. So if you're hosting family sports teams and you know that like a main event's going on, like a Super Bowl, or you have a sports team coming in, or Disney's having like their anniversary, it could be anything in any town. But if you know something special is going on, price according to demand and don't leave your rates the way they are. Because sometimes something can come to town that you were not aware of and you left your price too low just because you were unaware of it. Someone will book your place really quickly, but you could have left a couple hundred dollars per night on the table. And that would mean you weren't maximizing your potential. So always keep tabs on demand and adjust the price really, really quickly if you know an event is coming. I want to conclude with a few remarks. First, thank you for listening to what's our second episode and the support. Um, This is really meant to help fellow hosts grow and learn what they didn't know before, especially beginners, in a free, fun, comprehensive, and educational way. And I thank you just by listening. You're supporting us so much. Um, I also do want to keep you in the right frame of mind. And it's okay to get kind of lost when you start anything new. It's just like things like going to school, learning a sport, learning an instrument, uh, Airbnb and short-term rentals. It's no different. And things can seem so overwhelming at first. I know it's it's a different time when your realtor is selling you a dream and a property and you put the money down, you get into the arrangement and you have a vacation home um, with so many dreams and promises. But when reality hits and you need to do the business things, it's good to have a community that supports you, guidance and training along the way. And what I hope to provide are all of those things in time. Um, so if you have any questions, um, if you just want to learn how to do something that you don't know how to do, I'm here for you. So just reach out to me at J-O-H-N at vacationhomehelp.com. That's John at vacationhomehelp.com. Thank you so much for supporting us. Um, It's going to be an exciting journey. And I know in my heart, you're going to achieve the dreams that you want to. So just stick with this podcast, learn a little bit each day. And I promise you, you're going to save a ton of money in mistakes that you could have avoided. I promise you, you're going to earn more money than if you did this alone. And I promise you're going to meet some friends along the way as we build this community. Uh, Let's just do the best we can step by step, and we'll all make it together.
Adios, amigos. Take care.